0: Welcome to another episode of the Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and earlier this week it was International Women's Day. So, as a surprise, we're going to be releasing six podcasts in six days, all women. Today on the podcast, we have Manel Murhey, the General Manager of Marketing and Customer Experience at Kennard's Hire. Manel has over 18 years' experience in the industry working at companies like Kennard's Hire, Coates Hire, even on the other side of the fence, working at Hilti. Manel, thank you for coming on the podcast today. To kick things off, can you talk to me about how you got into the equipment rental industry?
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Mark, for inviting me on. Um, you know, it's it's such an exciting piece to be actually a part of something that's giving back to the hire industry. So thank you for having me. And um, funnily enough, the hire industry for me, getting into the hire industry, it's almost like, I've just become part of the furniture. I came in, didn't think I'd be around for so long, and here I am. I actually started in the higher industry straight, I'm not even going to say straight out of the uni. I was still at uni. And um, I remember, it's a bit of a funny story, I was walking on campus, my final year of uni, and I thought to myself, I want to be ahead of the pack of the cohort that's about to graduate. I need to get myself a marketing gig so that on my resume, when I do graduate, I can say I've had some sort of experience, and um, walking along the pathway, and there was a whiteboard back then. And there was nothing digital, and it was like this written word document that had a Kenard's Lift and Shift logo, and maybe about five dot points, but basically saying they were looking for a marketing assistant part time. And you know, being a marketer, I thought I want to align myself with a reputable brand. You know, something that looked good on my CV. Kennards hire brilliant equity in the in, the, um, in Australia and market and I thought hey this this is going to look good for me so I thought I'm going to throw my hat in the ring um, and I met Bezo so you know Alan Bezling at the time I think he was CEO of Kennards lift and shift um, in me so really close to the campus I was at and I thought oh that's good nice and close to uni also went and met him hard marker five interviews later for a marketing assistant role and I got
0: the gig and the rest is history wow that that definitely sounds like Bezo putting you through the (laughs) paces wow okay so so maybe what was uh some of the so your roles for the time then like how did your role uh, uh, evolve because if you were recruited from from Bezo when he was the lift and shift CEO like I'm assuming he sort of gradually mentored you to in in other areas like how, how did that roles evolve
1: You know, I never thought meeting Bezo as just somebody that, for me, wanting to get that initial experience in marketing, I would not have thought he would become so instrumental as a mentor in my career. So I met him and I think I started there and maybe did two years um, part-time while I was at uni finishing my degree. And, um, you know, hopefully he can uh, validate to say he saw something in me, but you know, I think he thought, okay, well, hang on, there's something here. And going from part-time lift and shift at um, marketing assistant, he didn't have a full-time role to offer me but pushed me into the Kenard Tire group. So I got the marketing assistant role in the Kenard Tire group. Um, and then I worked my way up to, you know, coordinators and then I was coordinating marketing at a national level for the company. Being really eager and hungry and ambitious and driven, Um, I decided I want to sort of crack that next level of um, seniority in my marketing role. Um, I didn't have something going for me at the time. And then from there, I actually left the hire industry for a short, brief um, few years, but I went on OEM side. So I got a role of product management in the drilling and demolition category, really blokey stuff, right, Um, for Hilti. And that was a world of experience, super sophisticated, you know, lots of great processes, a different way that they looked at product management, um, you know, got my hands dirty on the tools, learned a lot about how to actually manage categories of products, etc. And I was loving that role. And I think three years into the role, I was very, very fortunate to get a phone call by a guest you had on um, only last week, Adrian Manning. So. You know, I think there's a common theme you're going to hear from me throughout this interview, and that is just great people that have an interest in talent, that have a generosity of their own time to mentor people. And Adrian was one of those blokes that I met at Kennards when he was at Kennards. So at that time, this is a long story, at that time was 2009. And in 2009, there was a historical moment of national and codes merging and, and Adrian was obviously at the front line of that and they didn't coach at the time, didn't really have um, a really established marketing function or department. And they had a couple of people, but it wasn't a structured, established marketing department. And so Adrian rang me and said, hey, I, I know you've always had the appetite to kind of, you know, really take on something serious from a marketing point of view. Why don't you come over? And I thought that that was just my big crack like I was like this is fantastic I can learn so much I mean little did I know I was going into a company that was sort of trying to bring this whole world together you know at the back of P64 and two organizations trying to merge huge cultural uproar just trying to kind of get that stabilized and gel. and it was honestly till this day I'll say a marketer's dream because I got the opportunity to be part of rolling out the full rebrand and that's rebrand of the look and feel of the logo and the identity, um, branches, vehicles, assets, like the whole kit in the Moodle, And, you know, it was an enormous part of my career, taught me a hell of a lot. Um, was with them good three and a half, four years. My dad got really sick. And so, you know, uh, they were super supportive in me spending time with dad. Um, and then he got to a point where he was going to palliative care. So we're at the end of the journey now. And I just felt like I want to time out. Um, and so I resigned. You anyway, know, it was really sad because I had built brilliant friendships. But as we know, those friendships continue um, in the hire industry. We all know each other and support one another. Um, I resigned. And then, you know, talking to friendships and that kind of real clicky family vibe of the hire industry got a call from Alan Bezling again and Peter Lankin, who I'd met at, um, in, in the initial sort of few years of my career, and they had heard about my dad and offering, you know, all the support that comes with great relationships. And I got really good advice at the time from Bezo, who actually said, hey, I know it's a sad time for you and your family, but you're going to need something to, you know, fall back on and, and be supported when the time comes that you're sort of saying your farewell." And I came back to Kenotts, and I came back to Kenotts in the capacity of a brand culture manager, which was a really interesting role. And I've been there since. And so, you know, brand culture manager worked on a phenomenal project called the Why Program, which was all about instilling a values-led type organisation, led by um, Alan billings vision of, you know, making sure that we're a really strongly values-led organization and that we had enunciated that and we had embedded that and um i remember it was all somewhat therapeutic like i had said by to dad and he had moved on and kind of needed something to really own and sink my teeth into and um Be- bezo had this vision that he didn't want to roll out the values as just words on a wall so it was a massive undertaking for a ceo but we hit the road and we met every single employee across Australia and New Zealand and went and held sessions, uh, speaking to our culture, you know, took people out to lunches and dinners and spent days of workshops, just really getting them to um, understand what the Kenai Tire stood for from a values point of view and what their purpose was and how they shared um, the, the purpose of the organisation and what role they played. And that was a phenomenal three to four months on the road, just travelling, meeting people, and still I, you know, remember that as one of my fondest moments in the higher industry. And yeah, from there, what did I do then? Took a head of marketing role, did that for two to three years, maybe. Um, fell pregnant, had a set of twins, uh, took mat leave. Decided I wanted to pivot a little bit. Like you know, you get to a point from a marketing point of view, or in any career, you start to think, well, I can't continue to um move up if i don't learn other disciplines so um when requested to move sideways a little bit took a head of customer experience role which was enormously uncomfortable because you know i'm constantly I, I was i was kind of well groomed in the marketing space and i knew that really well um, so enormously uncomfortable but up for the challenge of wanting to learn so I did that for a couple of years and now GM of marketing and customer experience. So it's the two disciplines combined, if you like. Mm, that's where I am today.
0: Wow. So I think you mentioned when you're at, at National and Coates, getting that opportunity to do the full rebranding and then obviously going through that, that culture message that you push through with Kenans. And I think getting those, those opportunities in your career really helps shape you for what the future looks like and what future roles you're going to go into. So, I think a lot of people that get stuck in you know, one set role and they move through it the whole time, where I think getting those experiences obviously has sort of built up to become the person you are today in your current role.
1: Look, I absolutely agree with that. And it's, you know, I don't know if it's sheer luck or being in the right place at the right time or, or having the right mentors and faith in people. Um, but it's, it's certainly being able to be curious, challenge yourself and shift and touch projects that make an impact and learn from those and not be afraid to fail because, you know, it's about failing forward. So it's taking on things that matter that can really contribute to the direction of an organisation or touch people in the organisation. And if you fail, you learn, you fail fast, improve and keep going. And I think that's been really instrumental for me being able to continue on the path of sort of taking that next leap in my career.
0: Failing forward, I like that, that term. That's really good. That's, uh, that's probably something that more people should think about because yeah, they always think, associate failing as a negative connotation rather than like a positive in terms of helping build the best version of yourself maybe. Um, so yeah, I,
1: like that. I agree with that. I, I try and hold it as a philosophy for myself, like not being afraid to just give it a crack um, you know, I think the higher industry by large, though, they've got a bit of a, let's just have a go. Let's just fix it. You know, um, you know, let's just get stuff done. And if you're going to have that philosophy or mentality, you have to accept the failures that come with that. And so, you know, I've held on to that, you know, fail forward, fail, fail, quick learn. As long as you're progressing and moving ahead and getting better, it's fine.
0: Mm. And so you said customer experience. So can you explain exactly what is customer experience and how it links into marketing and branding?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, in this day and age, Mark, customer experience is like the new buzzword, like everyone, like you hear it a lot, you read about it a lot. It's all, all the thought leadership pieces. It's, you know, how customers experience your products and your services and in turn, how they perceive and feel and experience your brand. And that's why it's so inextricably linked. Like, so if you think about, you know, when people form a perception of your brand, you know, that's made up. It's not just, I, I think, you know, the, the, the challenge with marketing is over time it's been thought of just colours and messages and colouring in and, and creative out to marketplace. But if you think about the essence of a brand, it's how a customer perceives you, is aware of you, feels about your brand. And those things are formed more than just the communication. They're formed by how people experience your service, experience your people, experience your products. And so customer experience is actually about unpacking all of that. And then the discipline behind it is being able to kind of chunk it down into micro moments of the journey and then engineer any of the issues, the challenges and the pain Mm -hmm. points out so that the experience kind of feels nice and seamless. And why that's connected to marketing and brand, is because the outcome should be a positive feeling towards the brand and then loyalty and advocacy. So that's why the two for me go really hand in hand. If you have a marketing team, which is all about communications and external messaging to market, not working with the customer experience team, which is all about understanding the customer journey and the challenges and pain points that they've got, refining that for them, then it's almost like having the left hand not talking to the right hand because when you're saying something to market we can deliver xyz you need to back that operationally and actually operationalize that and deliver that to market so you're getting that vote of confidence from consumers that's why for me they go hand in hand and they are absolutely linked and and just as important as one another and should be thought about in the same lens
0: Mm. and it's it's almost like from a branding standpoint when you see someone's logo and you, you, you know you need a set piece of requirement like an excavator or, or jackhammer or whatever it might be, and you know that you need that this afternoon, you've experienced certain uh, steps in the past on good service, as associated with that brand. So, you know, all right, if I need that this afternoon, I know I need to go to Kenntire or wherever it might be to then deliver on that. And I guess as you, I really like what you said about the micro moments. Like knowing that the customer said, Oh, can pick up the phone or is it going to walk in or is it going to go online or whatever it might be? How do we make it as easy as possible for that customer to get what he needs to complete his job is, is really I the essence. I feel
1: like you're I feel like I feel like you should be um, over here writing the paper. <laughs> because it's exactly that. And funnily enough, the way you articulate it, um, aligns so closely to our purpose and our brand promise of making the customer's job easy so if that's at the core um and fundamental to what everything that we do then technically what we should be thinking is how do you make it easy at every single touch point whether it be a phone call whether it be contacting customer support center whether it be when things go wrong on site because things do you know, how do you actually recover that in the most easy, um, slick, seamless way? It's how do you create ease across the entire journey of a customer from one, thinking about hiring to then checking the equipment back in and then feeling like they walk away thinking that was a brilliant experience. It's actually all about customer experience. we all the way through and the outcome should be positive brand awareness, loyalty and advocacy.
0: And I think Kinan's high was one of the first high companies in the world to really have a, a proper online presence. Uh, so not just a a link where you can select what equipment you want and it shoots an email to an inbox and then someone needs to go through it, actually having live availability. And that adds another layer of experience, knowing, hey, this pieces of equipment are available at these locations. And so I know that I can request that. that. That was a really early start. It's been years, I think, since you've had that website. And that's, that's what really ahead of the game, I think.
1: I remember that. I actually remember it really well because I was um, a big part of the project team. But I also remember it really well because I remember when I first started in the hire industry, one of the first tasks I was given to do was actually to maintain the original, original website, which was literally flat. It's flat pictures of equipment on a page, if you wanted equipment if a customer wanted something they shoot through a reservation is what we called it and an email came through and then the magic happened in the background whereas you know um us being able cannot being able to imagine what e-commerce looks like in the industry i feel really turned that whole piece on its head and we went out to market close to 70 years ago now so it was absolute you know and a piece of innovation through the marketplace and at the time, I remember thinking, um, not myself, there was conversation here, sort of thinking, will the customers actually adopt this? You know, will our traders actually adopt this type of technology? And it's just gone gangbusters year on year. And so, you know, it was a real big piece and it talks exactly to that piece of customer experience. People want to, especially in this day and age, it's so important. People want something and they want that instant gratification of being able to sort it out, you know, almost instantaneously. And, and, and often in the palm of their hand.
0: So with, like, so it'd be interesting to understand because you've been in the industry since since university, what was your, when you saw that that ad on the wall and you applied at Cannons Hire for a job, what was your preconceived thoughts about what it meant to actually work in the hire industry? And then you've been in it for such a long time now. What's your actual thoughts?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. Cause I remember, I mean, look, I was just young. I was like a young wolf kid, just sort of thinking, where can I get my first job? Where can I get some experience, right? I knew um, of Ken. I remember feeling at the time when I saw just the Ken i at, I remember feeling a level of trust of, oh, they're a good brand. I know that they're a good Australian brand. So I think that kind of attracted me to it. But then when I sort of did a little bit of research and realised that they were very much a male-dominated brand in the higher slash construction industry, if you like, I remember thinking I was going to be really blokey I'm going to be the only girl there you know am I really going to be accepted um I remember thinking this is just a pit stop for me it's not necessarily a career I remember thinking things like you know I'm young now but at one at some point I'm going to get married and have children have a family you know is that is that going to be is this role going to be um, a positive for the changes I'm going to go through in my life so you know, for me, certainly back then, it was just that pit stop. It was just, let me get some good notches on my belt and some good experience on my CV. And now I really realise that there's something really magic about the higher industry. And I think a lot of people in the higher industry that have been around for a while, they you can kind of go, you either love it or you hate it. And for me, I loved it. Um, I loved it so much so that, you know, I see a, a long future and I feel like I always want to be positioned somewhere in the higher industry. And, and I love it for the friendships. I love it for the deep generosity you feel from people in the higher industry. I realize now that there is a lot of career progression. Career progression is available. And um, the other thing about it that I realize now about the higher industry is it's actually, it can actually really help you become quite competitive in your career for the reason that. It is not as cutthroat as other verticals, so in as other um, markets and industries, because in other industries, in your roles, you know, if you're doing, I'll just use examples. If you're looking after digital marketing, you're only looking after digital marketing. Um, You know, if you're looking after an AR function, you're only looking after the AR function. The beauty of the higher industry, I feel for me, I felt like if I've got an interest in certain things and possibly i feel like i've got a strength that i can contribute there it's so open to saying hey i'd like to be involved in that um project you know i'd like to be a part of that conversation and that basically means that you don't only get depth in your um knowledge as a practitioner in your field you get breadth you really get that whole of life business experience that you need when you want to think about career progression so um you know, I think um, my preconceived ideas have enormously changed. Um, uh, I also, I also used to think that a higher industry was only about they're sort of set in their ways and they only do what they know. You know, I've really learned now that uh, the the industry is quite hungry to learn from the outside and use that as a competitive advantage and add all that thinking to refine and improve. Um, you know, the brands that we work for, but also not only the brands that we work for ourselves so working at kennards or working at codes it's actually also about you know everybody's so hungry to advance the industry as a whole and that's a beautiful thing to be a part of i now realize how enormously supportive it actually is of women where i used to think it's such a blokey environment and um it's got such a family vibe of people knowing each other and supporting supporting each other i now feel like i don't have one biological brother i've got two thousand brothers that like look after me in the hiring industry. It's that feeling of care and trust and support. And, and um, I just feel enormously blessed.
0: Wow. And so, and so when you had that preconceived thoughts and then you get into it, like we really wanna make sure that people understand that it is an industry that, that women can actually take part in and there's a lot of opportunity. So, so how do you think that the rental industry or the hire industry can attract more female candidates to other roles?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. And, you know, I like. I was thinking about this just recently, particularly because, you know, the whole gender equity thing is such an important piece that we all should be leaders in championing. And I realised that if you really just break it down to the human basics of it, from a female, from a woman's point of view, you know, there are some fundamental things that uh, a woman feels like she needs to be able to kind of really progress and feel comfortable in her career progression in any industry, you know? And and to me, they break down to simple things such as, you know, um, being treated equally, uh, being respected, not feeling intimidated in the workplace. And that's all about inclusiveness. It's about having the opportunity to progress in their career and not feeling like they're going to be shackled because of their gender and that they're going to be seen as serious players that can progress in their career. And I think finally it's about having being able to, as a woman, feel confident that you can make your life choices, that you can have your children and need the time off and be able to look after them and give them everything that you, know, you need to as a mother and, and be supported by the organisation you work for or the industry you work for, that... That is a part of life and we provide that flexibility. And so for me, I've certainly felt that in the higher industry. So how do we do that, I guess, on a broader scale to kind of shape the um, understanding generally um, in the higher industry for, for us to attract women? I think it goes back to the basics of shifting perception. You know, so i put my brand hat on here. You know, perception is reality. If the industry is constantly telling stories that are, you know, below-key type of stories, championing the men that lead in the industry, you know, women will form the view that I don't belong and we need to feel this sense of belonging. So if we're celebrating stories of women that have progressed in their career, how they did manage to find flexible work-life balance, how they were supported when they had children, how they were supported coming back from maternity leave, and continuing their career and how they can balance work, life, children and career and that the higher industry is supportive of that and has the strategies and initiatives in place to support that. I think that that will take us a long way in shifting that perception and making women kind of feel like, hey, I choose. I want to make a choice to move into that. It's not so scary. And Mm. I think they're the things that we need to attend to, not as brands on our own as a collective in the
0: higher industry. Mm. Yeah, well, hopefully these podcasts this week can really share some of the stories and, and highlight some of the success stories like yourself, about 18 years in the industry and, and you can clearly hear your passion around it and, and, and hearing things like I've got, Two thousand brothers now is, is a really good example of hey, now we're uh, now I'm part of this journey and I'm part of the industry and I, and I love being in it. So, hopefully that sort of provides some insight into other women out there that 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 can think about it and, and see it as a career opportunity as well. Now, from a Kennard's higher perspective, does Kennards high have any initiatives to continually improve things like diversity in the workplace?
1: Absolutely, and I think you know I'm so. I'm so passionate because I see the shift and the kind of work and the kind of conversations that we're having now. And, you know, I think it has to be a top-down and bottom-up approach. It can't just be conversations in the boardroom. It needs to be initiatives that are supporting, supporting these kind of things from the top and empowering people from the bottom. So, you know, we're very lucky and very fortunate that our current board is made up by a significant amount of um, female leaders on the actual board, and our leadership group is almost 50-50 male female. So there's a real strong voice and a strong recognition to sort of have that gender diversity already. Then in place, you know, we're constantly talking about how we can increase um, the number of frontline female staff to kind of get that balance, in our branches and service person driver roles and assistant branch manager roles and branch manager roles. Because that kind of balances it out on the frontline to kind of, you know, work towards that whole gender diversity piece, you know. So we have always had, we've always recognised the efforts of the women that work at Arts High and we've always had the equal pay. For women and in the last couple of years we've also progressed in the space of you know parents having children needing to take time off with the um, implementation of a parental leave policy that provides that flexibility you know I think Kenards are really focusing on that we've done you know know, we've made some great steps along the way but the job is never done you know we can't we cannot say let's rest on our laurels We've made some great inroads, let's pause here. It has to constantly be part of our strategic um, direction, our strategic plans to continue focusing on the diversity piece. And, um, you know, we're doing that and we only get stronger and more focused every day.
0: Okay, so so hearing all that, so what advice would you give to male or female to, to new people that are joining the industry?
1: Wow you know do you know like i think i've got so much advice but when you frame it like that you kind of start to feel like you have this role to play to nurture the new young and up and up up and comers um mark i thought i was still young and still getting nurtured myself so (laughs) but um you know the first thing i would say is be curious be curious and challenge yourself to take the um, different projects on and be comfortable in being uncomfortable That's absolutely where growth comes. So I think, you know, naturally as humans, we like to stay safe. And so sometimes we don't consider other areas, even though you might be interested. And so, you know, have the courage to, if you're interested, ask the questions, get involved, be a part of the conversation. You never know um, what you could learn and you never know what opportunity could come up. And I've seen it time and time again in our higher industry where the opportunity does come up. And if you've been a part of the conversation, you know, you'll be there and possibly be tapped on the shoulder. So that's absolutely one. Um, Another one for me is really around people, you know, and I'll just say, and I think that's in any company, in any organisation and in any industry. But speaking as um, somebody that's been in a higher industry for so long, it's people, 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 you know, and the importance of inspiring the hearts and minds you know, and really kind of getting people to be inspired by the vision and what you're actually working on. Um, People want to be involved. People want to actually get in, roll their sleeves up and help. But you gotta gotta touch more than just the logic and the reasoning. You gotta get there really inspired and excited and great things happen when you can kind of get that level of passion uh, in people. Uh, The other thing I say is don't be afraid to get your hands dirty, you know? So yeah, we're a male-dominated industry. That's fine. Uh, you know, and as a female, you might, that might make feel a little bit intimidating, but get your hands dirty, go out there, get to know the guys, you know, uh, uh, don't be afraid to walk around the showrooms, don't be afraid to look at how operations are actually done. If you're in a support type role, that actually, you know, really opens up your mind. I think that's probably one of the things that's enormously helped me is, you know, I would purposely position my desk in branches I know Bezo taught me that where he'd say you know I want you to do your work at the branch just on the counter on the side that helped me so much to listen to the conversations to listen to the customers and what they needed to see the operations and how that played out I think it really adds a lot of context and insight and knowledge when you are making decisions and you know the final one is always remember, and I think I've probably quoted Bez name so many times, but it's all something he taught me, is um, if you're not serving a customer, you're serving someone who's serving a customer. And I think that, that really takes you a long way in positioning in your mind the things that you're working on and how basically at the end it's supposed to be making a customer's job easier.
0: Yeah, and in the end it's like it's about like, On the front counter it might be seen as easy as but behind it is all the things that the the gears moving and people working together in collaboration to sort of make it all happen and i think a lot of times yeah people underestimate the power of working together and what you can achieve together so yeah i think that's a really good point
1: you know what you're saying that and you know what comes to my mind which you know thinking about that this particular session is going to be played in that week of international women's day I always think as a mother, it takes a village. And guess what? At work, it takes a village. You know, so yeah, there's a whole army behind it. There's a whole army behind it to make the customer's job easy.
0: Mm. And talking about being a mother, so I heard you say earlier that you, uh, you've you got children now. So what what advice would you have for other females, other women uh, that are trying to balance the complexities of parenting in your career? Because it is, it is a challenge
1: it's it's such a challenge it's an enormous challenge it's a challenge so much so that you know every once in a while I find myself crying from the burden and emotion of trying to balance you know these two worlds that often collide um you know and I think the first one that I say and I say it passionately is that you can do it like you it can be done um You know, I think we're constantly, as women, told otherwise. Constantly, as women, told, oh, be careful. Or you've got, even if you're not told it overtly, you're constantly thinking that I don't want to have my children miss out on anything. I don't want to not have time for my family. I feel guilty about putting my career first. You know, you shouldn't. There is absolutely no reason to. If we've got, if you've got the flexibility and you've got the support and the network, um, available to support you at work you can absolutely do it right and you shouldn't feel guilty and so you know my advice to women is that firstly your mindset is everything don't defeat yourself by thinking you can't because that's actually the first part if you actually go at it with a headstrong mind that I can it's just a matter of how can I then I, uh, to me that's half the battle. and then I'd say you know strategy is everything strategy is everything at work but actually if you want to have a red hot crack at it figure out the strategy for yourself you know who can you lean on how can you work a little bit harder before having kids to kind of make the inroads to make it easier when you return after having kids um learn from parenting it's funny you know we don't actually sometimes we forget to learn from parenting you learn so much from parenting if you can negotiate with a two year old you can negotiate with anyone So there's skills that you're learning, you know, you're learning how to time manage, you're learning how to negotiate, you're learning how to fight these battles at home with your children. Um, You're learning how to be organised, you know, and and these are the things you can apply to your day-to-day roles. So don't think you need to have your home life or your mothering life in a box and your career life in a box. They will collide. They will blend. It's fine. Be okay in the madness, right and just um work through it because you know you'll you come at the other end and um be compassionate with you, with yourself it's okay to not have the answers you, I feel like as a as a as a mother that's really passionate about my career I feel like you're on a speed train and you're laying the tracks right and so you're going to get things wrong it's all about that failing forward piece right you're going to get things wrong that's okay be compassionate to yourself you know have a bath relax for a night tomorrow is another day but don't give up the hustle if you like and the grit and the determination the ambition just because you became a mother you can absolutely do it and you know what it is so much more fulfilling because you haven't lost your sense of identity by doing it
0: yeah it's a really good advice and i think sometimes people forget that it's okay to ask for help as well uh, whether it be at the workplace Mm -hmm. or at home
1: Yeah, hundred percent. You know, one of the biggest challenges for myself was making the call to actually put my my little two in childcare. I battled, I battled so much. I felt so guilty. I'm going to miss out on these really important formative years of their life. And then I realised that if I don't, I'm going to miss out on myself. Like, you know, and 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 I need to come first. Because if I don't come first, how can I put them first anyway? You know, and making the decision was the best decision I made. It's better for them. I'm a better mum. I'm a better wife. I'm a better person. I hope, um, you know. So you're you, you're you're absolutely right, Mark.
0: Now I did want to talk about mentors, but I have a feeling I know who your mentor is going to be. So, so let's uh, let's ask the question anyway. So, who do you think played a big influence on your career from a mentor perspective?
1: Look, you know what? I know I keep mentioning him, and he's come out like you know he's going to ring me after and say so you embarrassed me, Manel. That's how often my name came up. But absolutely without a doubt, Alan Bisley. not only for his thinking you know his integrity his character his approach to business um and he's always had this sentence that I always remember it's actually influenced the way before I get anything out across over my desk and send it out if you like these words ring in my mind don't be mediocre Manel. mediocrity is shit and it's so true I guess I've always sort of thought no, hang on if I'm not proud of what I'm getting out there it's not going out and so you know he's been enormous and he's also paved the way and provided opportunities so you know alan besling is one but i can't not mention peter lankin peter lankin i was really lucky to share an office with him when i was how do you share an office with the ceo of a company anyway i did at kennards they didn't have room for me so they put me put a desk in his office and i got to build this great friendship with him and um he you know, just really generous with his time to nurture young people and I and I was really lucky to kind of have met him and and he was really influential for me. Um Bill Whitehouse, you know, a great friend over the years. He was always that sort of safe set of hands that you could have a chat to and made you feel better. i'm so Bill was, you know, just one of those um people that provided good comfort. And most recently actually he's the one that gave me the opportunity to move into that GM of marketing and customer experience role. So um, again it talks to that whole seeing something in someone and providing that opportunity. So, Bill, that a phenomenal, strong woman in the industry, Penny Burke. So, Penny Burke, non-executive director on the Kennard's Higher board, 20-odd years, a marketing guru and professional, but, you know, knows the team from the ground up, um, you know, lives the values, super, super influential and strategic, um, and a mother, so, you know, for me, I felt like I also needed that kind of mother that had achieved it also in her field, in the field of marketing. And Penny has been an enormous um, uh, influential person that I can reach out to that could guide me. So Penny Burke, also one of them, without a doubt.
0: Mm, wow. A lot of big names there. So you're very, very lucky to be obviously associated with those people and help influence the the career. Not many people get to say that they've shared an office with, the, with their CEO. So that was probably a, a pretty lucky journey to go along in itself.
1: I always say luck. That's what I said to you earlier, Mark, you know, maybe I was lucky, you know, in the right place at the right time and met the right people. Um, but I, I, I do hope that, you know, a part of the work that I did also contributed to that. So it can't all be luck, but mm-hmm. um, definitely I was lucky to have met such influential, legendary people, if you like, in the higher industry.
0: And I think when you do get given those opportunities. And if you want to call it luck or whatever it might be, just being in the right situation and having the right personality and the right people and all sort of stuff coming together. I assume that this plays down the other direction as well. So when you see someone coming into the business, whether it be male or female, and you can see that, oh, they've got a little bit of potential or they're interested in that, you then pass on the things that you've learned from those people onto the next generation as well. And I think that's a really important factor in terms of growing the right culture in
1: organizations. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, I feel like because I've been blessed with that luck, I've learned that spirit of generosity, of giving. And so for me now, you know, when I see young talent that's hungry, I almost feel like there's, some, there's a certain set of characteristics that you can see in someone, just hunger, motivation, drive, resilience and grit. And if I see that, I think I want I want to invest in this person and I want to see that they become the next you know, um, person that's climbing the ranks in the higher industry, we need, we, we need that talent. We need succession. And so, you know, I'm, I'm that passionate about the higher industry and the people that I've worked the people that I've worked with, that I don't want to see that, you know, we lose all of that as we all kind of get to the next stages of our life, that we've got new, young, talented breed coming through the ranks.
0: And then, so with all this learning that you've had, if you could go back and give some advice to your younger self, maybe back when you're walking through university, well, what would you say to yourself?
1: Yeah, I'd say I'd actually really sort of sit myself down and same Manel, be fearless. Be fearless and own who you are. I'm going to get emotional telling you this. Be authentic and don't be, don't let seeds of insecurity make you doubt what you're actually capable of. You know, when you're young, and you're around so many opinionated, big personalities, you can doubt yourself. You doubt that little voice. You don't ask the question. You don't make the statement. You just listen. Now I realise it was the moments where I asked the question, where it was so uncomfortable, so scary, because I didn't want to look like I didn't know what I was talking about. They were the moments that I learned so much and actually helped me get ahead and most times I ask questions that many people wanted to ask anyway. So I'd say, be fearless, have the courage, back yourself, ask the question. It's all a part of the learning. And be authentic, like authenticity. You, you, I can't tell you how many times I thought I had to be a certain way or act a certain way or be a part of the boys' club. So many times I thought that in my career and then I'd stop and say, no, No, I am who I am and I can't be anyone but who I am. So just be authentic. So I'd say to young Manel, be authentic, don't stress.
0: Mm, That's awesome. I like that. And you're still young. So you still got a lot more time in your career. So how do you- to 40 <laughs> I'm trying to work you up here. So <laughs> how, to 40. how do you define success? And do you think that there was really a defining moment where you're like, yep, yeah, this is it. This is what I want to do. Like, this is what I love. Yeah. How
1: do I define success? I don't. This is going to sound like such a weird, maybe wrong answer to you don't define success because I feel like in the definition of success textbook style it's achieving a goal and I feel like the minute you think you've achieved it and you rest you're done it's unfinished to me it's constantly striving for better it's never finished you're never done you never never learned enough you're never successful right and I, I I've, I'm that hungry and I, and I love to see that type of hunger around me you know what I mean what success look like you know if you're delivering things that you're proud of and and you know you've achieved a goal and there's constantly a level of improvement whatever you're doing is a bit better than what it used to be a bit better than what it used to be you can say hey it looks successful it's better than what it used to be but to say I'm there I'm done I'm successful I don't think I ever will because I don't want to ever put that end destination point to say I'm done and I can take a seat now even when I retire, just from a personal point of view, for me it's um, what. What else can I do? How else can I? How else can I contribute? What else can I do that makes it a little bit better? And I think, I think it's it. I think that's the spirit of the hire industry, though, isn't it, Mark? Constant, continuous improvement. You know, it's definitely the spirit of Kenna's, You know, uh, with a with a mission of being the best hire company in the world. Are we ever going to be there? Maybe not. I hope we never say that we're there and we're done, because how can we be better? So. For me, you know, have I been successful along the way? I hope I've done things better and I hope I've provided, you know, elevation and things that we've done. Um, And I think that's, I hope, I hope that's an okay answer, but that's my answer because it's an ongoing journey.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that. So when I had Andy Kennard on the podcast, I asked him what advice he would give to a small business that's starting their own hire company. And he said, he, added, he said a few different things, but one of the key things was continuous improvement. So never never settle.
1: Yeah, 100%. And you never should. You know, I think there are certain things that, you know, you work on and you push out to market and, you know, you, you push out to other functions in the business. And I always look at them and think, they're 80%, 90% there. But that's okay. It's progress and we'll continue to refine. We'll continue to sharpen the knife. And I think... That's um, how you'll just continue to kind of push the status quo and contribute to the industry. And then to your question of um, what was my defining moment? What was my defining moment? You know, I think I only realised what my defining moment was a year ago. And I've been in the industry for almost 20 years. Um, and, and what a perfect time to share it, given it's uh, International Women's Day is coming up. My defining moment was being able to become a mum of two and come back to work and pursue my career and still, you know, achieve the next level that I was aspiring to achieve too. And I'm not done. Like I continue to aspire to being better, like I was just saying to you. But that was my defining moment. And I'm so afraid, believe it or not, going on mat leave and then being able to actually work through that get my mind in check to say, no, you can do it. And, you know, there is a way, it's just about how. And then being able to come back and continue with my career, get the role that I'm in now, be part of um, Bill's team and contribute and work full time, balance my children. um, It's an enormous defining moment for me. Not only because, you know, I wanted to prove something. I always felt like I wanted to prove that it can be done. Wasn't only about wanting to prove it can be done to other women so that that can set the example that you can do it, but I wanted to prove it to myself. I'm going to get a sure. I can't believe it. <laughs> so, yeah, like, so for me, I, I feel like I had a score to settle. I wanted to show people in a male dominated, dominated industry it can be done with right support, with right mind frame, with right commitment to yourself. And so that was my most defining moment you know, that it can be done. And I encourage all women to give it a crack. Don't, don't, don't feel defeated, give it a crack. Mm,
0: that's amazing. I really appreciate you sharing all that insight because that's a lot of knowledge and learnings that you've just built up over the last 20 years. And hopefully that provides a lot of insights to other people that are listening. But Manel, I really want to thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. It's been my absolute pleasure.
0: Please like, share and follow the Rental Journal podcast and we'll see everyone in tomorrow's episode.